Welcome to Jurassic World. Welcome to Jurassic World Minute, where we visit Jurassic World one minute at a time. Don't we all partake in some mad science? I'm Brad. <laughs> and Dave. And on this episode, we're discussing Minute 53 of Jurassic World. Before we get to that, David, returning back to Jurassic-Pedia.com and to the Jurassic article on there, quite a lengthy article, and uh, each time we have Jurassic on, on uh, screen, we go back to it to discuss different things. Going down the article a bit, uh, there's a bit more detail here on the Jurassic's uh, Top speed of five miles per hour, but uh, going in manual driving mode, they can go a little bit faster. And we do see in these next couple of minutes uh, the gyrosphere out uh, running with the herd, so to speak, <laughs> um, able to keep, well, not keep up, but not get in the way of uh, some running triceratops in it as well. So, so yeah, uh, nice article here. Um, lot to lot to go through, lot to read. So head over to jurassic-pedia.com for uh, that and many more. What purpose could we have for a dinosaur that can camouflage? Cuttlefish genes were added to help her withstand an accelerated growth rate. Cuttlefish have chromatophores that allow the skin to change color. It hid from thermal technology. Really? Before we get into today's minute, we got some feedback uh, over on the Facebook page. I posted up some of the concept art for the gyrospheres towards the end of the year, and uh, Lorenzo asked a very important question. Uh, how do the occupants breathe? <laughs> we do sort of get that uh, that hissing close as the doors close, uh, whether that's because they're air operated or or what. But it's um, it'd Good be quite question, hot. Yeah. <laughs> and we even it even comes kind of comes back in Fallen Kingdom because the um, gyro they get into the gyrosphere and then they plop into the water and they seem pretty airtight until. Uh, the lava starts burning holes in them, and then um, Owen shoots it to kind of force more equalization of pressure inside. Mm. Yeah, well, that's one of the big, the big uh, talked about things. We're going to get it uh, next in minute fifty-four with uh, Jimmy Fallon suggesting that a fifty cal can um, mm. cannot penetrate these the, the, the uh, oxy nitrate glass, like they call it. Um, getting fallen I mean, kingdom a nine mil can. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, how do they then? How do they breathe? It's honestly kind of an ill-conceived um, vehicle in general, just because. And I can't remember if we really talked about it this at last minute, or if we saved it for this minute. 
kind of an ill-conceived vehicle because, I mean, like we discussed in Minute 51, the entire thing just kind of, um, I mean, for one, like Lorenzo brought up, how do you breathe? But the other is, I mean, like we discussed, what about dino poop? I'm sure the glass gets really dirty really fast, and it's, I mean, give me a, give me the cushy plush leather seats of a uh, Ford Explorer <laughs> any day. Yeah, yeah, and just to end that on the the Fallen Kingdom debate before we get angry emails. Yes, they um, it has been suggested the fact that the Jurassic is five years old or four years old and being left out in the uh, the elements. That's why the glass isn't as strong. Um, but yeah. we've, we've talked before with uh, behind-the-scenes stuff in Jurassic Park, the fact they had those screens over the Perspex bubbles in the Explorers just to help with lighting and uh, the heat, the tropical heat coming through that big bubble. And here you've got a big round ball. <laughs> you, you've got to think that sunlight's um, a convex ball. It's, uh, that sun, sunlight's going to focus in uh, not quite as powerful as a magnifying glass, but definitely uh, there's got to be definitely, some sort of yeah, air conditioning. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, not only that, but I mean, it's gonna, it's like I said, it, or like we're bringing up, it's um, air sealed, so there's no airflow, and you, you're basically gonna bake. Hmm. It, it's like being in a giant plexiglass oven. <laughs> <laughs> How do you like your park guests? Rare or medium rare? <laughs> I was gonna say, by the time the RX gets the boys out there, that'd be well done. <laughs> 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 it's it's one of those things when Steven Spielberg comes up with an idea and presents it to you to say hey I'd love to see these in your film <laughs> no you're not going to tell Steven no Steven that's not a good idea <laughs> we'll let uh, we'll let um, the engineers or as Jimmy says the scientists uh, work out how it's all going to work but uh, we'll get into more of that in 54 <laughs> uh, Dave ready to get into 53 yeah. Alright, uh, opens with Maserani shutting Wu down, ends with the Jimmy Fallon instructional video. Um, as we had a minute 52, Maserani had shut Wu down, and as we open on 53, Wu looks at his research in the next, or the researchers in the next room before addressing Maserani again. You're acting like we're all engaged in some kind of mad science. <laughs> uh, but we are doing what we've done from the beginning. <laughs> I mean, but they kind of are engaging in a mad science here. I mean, let's be, let's be honest. Here, the entire kind of concept of Jurassic Park harkens a lot back to Franken, the novel Frankenstein. I and mean, there's a lot of comparisons that can be made between the two. So, <laughs> hmm. I think for most that uh, that step from just doing dinosaur DNA and adding some stuff to it to complete the sequence gaps and that to create the animal, and what Wu's doing here now, where he's just splicing everything together and then what we see later in his um in his lab as well with all the two-headed two-headed animals and that sort of stuff that is mad science mm-hmm. <laughs> and he's wearing well, to he's be got fair, the... i think that the two-headed animals were actually those were all um real animals with like i mean i forget what it's called like dicranial syndrome or something like that but i mean that's something that actually happens in nature hmm yeah, we'll have to talk more when we get to those minutes. I wonder if that's um, meant to show him, if he's meant to show that he'd actually create those animals or if he's sort of using those animals to weed out defects that maybe he might be getting in some of the dinosaurs as well. Yeah, it's called polycephaly. Oh, yeah. Also, 
happens in humans, if if I remember rightly, too. It does, yeah. Yeah. But I love how um, Henry sort of looks around and laughs here, nothing in, and says nothing in Jurassic World is natural. We've always filled in the gaps with uh, in the genome with the DNA of other animals, and their genetic code was pure. Um, or if their genetic code was pure, uh, many of them would look quite different, but you didn't ask for reality, you asked for more teeth. So again, a bit more of that... Uh, that dialogue, more so um, maybe trying to explain why the dinosaurs have uh, looked different across the franchise and why they haven't got feathers yet. <laughs> that is kind of a line that has kind of bugged me since, though, because while it is true and it's kind of a final in-universe acknowledgement of the fact that they're, mess- they're genetically engineering these animals to be visually different than what they actually should look like it's unfortunately been brought uh, been caught up in the fandom as becoming a kind of catch-all explanation for why they could never have realistic dinosaurs or why they can um or why the dinosaurs shouldn't ever be different or why they have no potential to be different it's just it's not he didn't say that they that they can't be different in the future he's just saying this is why we've not made them this is why we've never made them paleontologically accurate in the past and i think there's a lot of people who um take that line and kind of run with it and when you discuss like dominion and say i'd like to see feathered dinosaurs people are like oh well they're not they're not real dinosaurs they're just animals that have uh they they come and bring in this explanation and it's just not a catch-all explanation mm. you know yeah Personally, too, it sort of t- wants to. It takes the the majesty or the um uh, the fondness uh, out of out of the previous films, like back in Jurassic Park, where Doctor Grant's laying uh, laying across a Triceratops zone. <laughs> it was his favourite when he was a kid. Now she's the beautiful, most beautiful thing he's ever seen. Mm-hmm. Like that's because that's a at the time as accurate a depiction of the Triceratops mm-hmm. as they thought they could do. And that's that's what we've grown up with. That's what a Triceratops look at looks like. Only for mm-hmm. Woody to come in and say, no, that, that's not what it... <laughs> Triceratops wasn't like that because we made it made it different or we didn't make it natural looking. But then you get the raptors and earth and it change every film and mm-hmm. we're uh, yeah, going to get some other herbivores in the next couple of minutes. <laughs> Well, again, I mean, it's another thing where it goes back to just as we discuss often with Jay that, I mean, yeah, not, nothing in Jurassic World is natural, but at the same time, you didn't have to take some some of the uh, dinosaur designs and go backwards with them. Like, <laughs> I mean, you could have you made dinosaurs that looked more like how they did in the first three movies. You didn't have to take the Stegosaurus and make it a tail dragger, for example. Yeah, you took the work that Crash had done, and then you took the next step. You didn't learn to draw them <laughs> yourself. <laughs> yeah, and also the line too, you didn't ask for reality, you asked for more teeth. We do get teeth in the Stegosaur, don't we, in Fallen Kingdom? Oh, no, that was the Galmon. I discussing in Galmon's yeah. alley. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, you took that and literally ran with it and even put teeth in the herbivores as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's just going, taking these designs that were... Already, their fans were not only nostalgic for, but in-universe really kind of makes little sense because they're just taking them and going backwards with them instead of having, say, the Lost World Stegosaurus design 
or the Fallen or in Fallen Kingdom it gets even worse where they have lips. <laughs> it's just why? Yeah, yeah. We're gonna get more of this uh, when we get to the minute fifty-four and uh, fifty-five and the um the animals in the uh, in the valley <laughs> and what some of them look like. Masrani uh, retorts with, "I never asked for a monster," and this might be one of my favourite lines in the actual film. A monster is a relative term. To a canary, a cat is a monster. Uh, we're just used to being the cat, which pretty much spells out everything <laughs> for this film. Just we're um we're used to being on top, and then Dominus is going to come and show us that uh, no, we're not really. I mean, I'm kind of love hate with that just because <laughs> I know like a lot of times the Jurassic Park dinosaurs get lumped into being movie monsters and I never I really never cared for it just because I mean the whole intent of the first three movies with Spielberg and David Kep and all the people who were behind them especially like um Stamerson Studios was to not create movie monsters. The whole intent was to bring animals that, as Spielberg put it, we had a movie, we had a monster movie on our hands. The real trick was not to make one. Hmm. They had, the dinosaurs had, up until Jurassic Park, been historically portrayed on film as these movie monsters going as far back as the 1926 Lost World. They just basically fight, eat, <laughs> poop and that's it they didn't actually just live i mean what i think the magic about jurassic park and the lost world and even a bit jurassic park 3 was they had these animals that they um create animals out of them oh the t-rex isn't just uh stomping towards you it's the reality is that they're sniffing for their infant's blood that's why it's after you Hmm. it's these kind of they give you reasoning behind these animals, and they kind of I don't want to say sympathize with them, but you make them understand them. It's kind of the difference between say the um, movie, the schlocky seventies B movie Grizzly, and a public uh, a uh, I'm trying to think uh, without using the local name <laughs> a PBS uh, nature documentary. If anybody watches like nature or Nova, you'd know what I mean. You actually it portrayed bears as actual animals. They live, breathe, fight, but they also, but they all, or I'm sorry, they they live, eat, fight, but they also kind they bear young. They're good parents. They prepare for the world around them. They react to the world around them. And I think that was what was great about the first three movies is that these dinosaurs reacted to the world around them. With with uh, the Indominus, or, or particularly the Jurassic World films, you kind of get less like that. You kind of get, with some of the animals, a uh, step further to becoming anthropomorphized, where they are kind of almost portrayed as human-like characters. But on the other end of the spectrum, you get these kind of tragic Frankenstein monster figures like the Indominus Rex and the Indoraptor. And I think portraying the Indominus Rex like the, as a tragic figure and not so much as like a in like a weaponized killing machine kind of it helped and hurt it because a lot of fans felt s- sympathy for it but at the same time I think the Indoraptor did it better 
by being a bloodlust and killing machine by becoming the actual monster Wu talks about here. Hmm. Yeah, it's it's sort of especially with Jurassic Park and the Lost World, it, it's the dinosaurs being dinosaurs. Um, you, you you drop a steer into a pack of raptors and they just <laughs> tear it apart. And obviously, mm-hmm. I, I dare say, if those trees weren't there, you'd see them sort of snipping and biting at each other as well, fighting for that food. Mm-hmm. You've mentioned before the Tyrannosaur coming out in the breakout. It's it's coming out because it's interested in what these cars are and all that sort of stuff. It's essentially playing with them <laughs> when uh, when she rolls the Explorer Four over. So, and we do get a little bit of that in Jurassic Park Three with the Spinosaurus. Because that's what they, at the time, they wanted to uh, have a new, a new big bad to sort of take out the T Rex, and they had to do some um, magic <laughs> with uh, the Spinosaur <laughs> to uh, get it to be able to do that. So, but especially too, as we said, with the Indominus not being an actual dinosaur, it does fit that monster role a lot more mm-hmm. than if they just had Rexy here once again, <laughs> going off wild across the island. Um, but we'll get we'll get more of that in Fallen Kingdom and uh, Camp Cretaceous season two. Let's hope. Yeah. But but that's uh, that's Wu's lab. We cut back to Jorosphere Valley and uh, nice beautiful open field again. Hawaii looking fantastic. As the camera comes closer to the boys' Jorosphere, we cut inside and see a small screen at the front of the console. On it, we get the start of an instructional video. But I don't think this is the start. I think there's been some stuff played, and I'll get more to that in the. Uh, Novelization. Uh, hello there, I'm Jimmy Fallon. Welcome aboard the Gyrosphere, an amazing machine made possible by science. And he's wearing a lab coat, uh, looking like he's at the front of science class. And uh, I do like that the um, the chalk wireframe schematic of the Gyrosphere on the board behind him. It's sort of it's very Doc Brown, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> science um, is the Gyrosphere possible by science, or is it possible by technology and engineers? Um, I don't know. I mean, there, I don't think anybody has ever really attempted to really look at it, as far as I know. Because you have a look at, um, well, a gyroscope, that's technology, that's not science. Oh, I suppose it could be science as well. Science and technology kind of go hand in hand. Yeah, yeah. And it's one of those, um, uh, like one wheels and that sort of stuff, that's all centrifugal, uh, centrifugal force with one tyre and that's keeping it upright but um hmm one interesting little bit of trivia here too uh, in real life Jimmy Fallon appears in uh, all the promotional videos at Universal Studios theme parks um which is of course those television screens that uh, show show uh, get shown to guests while they're waiting for lines um at rides so and his talk shows um owned by NBC Universal as well so that's probably why he's here and uh, mm. not someone else. I didn't really like the cameo just because of that reason. Like, I mean, for one, it's kind of because I don't think Jimmy Fallon's that funny. <laughs> and the other, because, I mean, yes, we know Jurassic Park is owned by Universal, which is owned by NBC. We don't really need a reminder of it. It just seemed really kind of not well done. I'll, I'll add another angle as well. Uh, I haven't looked at, I should have looked at um, the box office, but probably maybe a quarter of that nearly $2 billion this film made was um, the US audience. Everything else was international. Mm-hmm. I I'd, I'd, I haven't seen Jimmy Fallon. I'd, I don't know. This is the only thing I've seen him in, so I've got no 
it's almost the same as going back to Richard Kiley in Jurassic Park. I, I had no idea who he is. I still don't really know who he is. Um, I'll it's just a famous, be fair a with you. Voice. I don't know who he is either. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you, John Hammond. Uh, I don't think I've ever actually seen him in anything. <laughs> Why that was kind of a a deserved of a mention, I'm still not sure. But yeah. I don't know who Richard Kiley is. <laughs> I, I just always assumed he's um, a, not talk show, but either have a, has a radio, radio or voiceover or something like that, because it's um, it is a you, you hear that voice and you know exactly who it is, maybe. But uh, same here with Jimmy Fallon. It's like this could have been Eddie Murphy. It could have been any any comedian um, coming out of SNL or anything. Mm-hmm. Um, as, as I said before, because he's uh, already on Universal's payroll, that's um, probably why they said, hey, let's get this comedian in to do this and some uh, cringeworthy stuff here. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> he, can, he continues, your safety is our main uh, concern, which is why you're behind our invisible barrier system, which protects you from things like Dilophosaurus venom. And that's when he uh, turns and he hits... Uh, over some chemicals with his poking stick and causes a small explosion. Some of the goop pops onto his face. <laughs> <laughs> Name drop for the Dilophosaur here. It's the first time we get it dropped in the film. We get the uh, the hologram later on. Is there an attraction? Is it in the restricted zone? Where's the Dilophosaur? <laughs> Why is it mentioned here? So many good questions. <laughs> <laughs> and it's really kind of a sin. I mean... We have not gotten a Dilophosaurus scene since 1993. And I know I don't count the cameo in either this movie or Fallen Kingdom. No. I want the actual animal on screen in the physical form. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And we know, we heard the hoot in Fallen Kingdom. There was the cut scene with it on the boat, supposedly, on the Arcadia. So... It's going to turn up unannounced in Dominion. I can see it now. <laughs> but... I'm hoping uh, Camp Cretaceous maybe explains a little bit more uh, of where it is, even though we haven't got any hints that it's actually going to be in the in the season, in season mm-hmm. two. Maybe they're saving it as a surprise, <laughs> maybe, <laughs> or maybe that's just a hopeful, hopeful fan in me. Yeah, but you know, you know, as soon as it turns up, we're going to be like, <laughs> okay, where, how, how did it get off the island? All this stuff even though we know that about that cutscene. Mm-hmm. It's going to be Colin just coming out. Oh, oh, I was on the boat, you just didn't see it. <laughs> or something <laughs> like that. Uh, even though we don't see it leaving the uh, Lockwood estate either. Anyway, <laughs> maybe it was still on the boat and never got uh, released. Uh, Jimmy continues, one dropper just can paralyse you, so watch out. And then he stands there with goo on his face and smiles at the camera for a moment, then sort of breaks character and looks off to the... Uh, off the screen to someone asking is this real and we get a pause and he says it is and then suddenly topples over and collapses to the ground and this <laughs> is probably where the humor reaches its peak for me <laughs> in the uh in this little video but um it's uh acting a little bit quicker here than what we've seen uh in the past and um it's taking more from the novel where it paralyzes you through the skin turning it red and inflamed um, whereas in Jurassic Park it sort of only really got on the Nedry's face and once he climbed into the jeep and he wiped it off his eyes he seemed to be okay about it But 
To be fair, I doubt it was actually real Venom. <laughs> no, no. Because especially it's all in different beakers and the uh, the explosion combines and throws it on his face, so it, um, I don't think they'd have... Unless they're milking Dilophosaur, I don't, I don't think they'd actually have Venom anyway. But that is one thing to clarify as well. Uh, poison is a toxic that gets into the body via swallowing, inhaling, or absorption through the skin. Venom is a specialised type of poison that is evolved for a specific purpose, and it is actively injected via a bite or a sting. So, technically, Dilophosaurus poison uh, and not venomous. <laughs> um, <laughs> I know that this has kind of been a point of debate between, uh, like, the more biologically and paleontologically minded fans of whether or not that the um, venom is actually real venom or whether it should be counted as a poison, because the inspiration behind it is the spitting cobra, which yeah. actually spits venom into your into its target's eyes which um does blind them allowing it to attack mm -hmm. and so that's kind of what it's done here but the uh but is it but the, it's also mentioned that it has to be a that the venom can be absorbed through the skin which it, it would make it a poison mm -hmm. so it's kind of like is it a venomous poison is it a poisonous venom <laughs> it's toxic <laughs> Yeah, I don't eat it. <laughs> I'll, I'll throw you under a bus here. Do you know if the um the spitting cobra does that venom get um ejected from its fangs or its throat? It's got a it's got a little gland at the top of its throat, doesn't it? I think it's the it's the fangs. It's got little holes in the fangs that spit it out at at the uh, target. Mm. So you could still it could still be, or is still venom, because it can inject. If it does bite you, it's going to inject the venom as well. It's just got the yeah. extra ability to be able to spit it from a distance as well. Mm -hmm. And we know, know more so from the novel too, that um, the animals, the compies, had the, the serotonin, the bite, that um, sort of paralysed, which would make that a venom as well, not a poison. But Because mm. even Richard Kiley says poison uh, I'm pretty he sure says, says both I think yeah spitting venom at its prey yeah. <laughs> and he also says that we now know that it's poisonous yeah <laughs> oh thank you David Kep <laughs> oh, for that dialogue hmm it could be rather <laughs> let's just leave it at that <laughs> But uh, as the minute ends, we get uh, we get you know, take cut to uh, Zach as he's looking away from the screen. Uh, obviously, the uh, these kids aren't getting the humour put forward by Jimmy Fallon here on screen. To be um, fair, neither do I. <laughs> <laughs> Jay Leno was better. <laughs> yeah, well, that's going to get we're going to get more of it next minute as well. <laughs> Anything else on that before we get to novel comparisons? Uh, no, I think we padded that out pretty well. All right. Uh, as the drysphere leaves the station, Zach pulls his uh, puts his hand on the joystick, ready to drive, and that's when the screen lights up with the instructional video of a funny man dressed in a khaki safari outfit. Uh, oh hello! Oh hello! I was just doing a little predator tracking hobby of mine. I bet you're wondering how to drive this thing. Maybe I can help. So, 
that's what I was saying before. I reckon what we're seeing with Jimmy Fallon is not the start of the video because obviously you need to show the guests how to drive. <laughs> the drivesphere, the the drivesphere attendants just pushing a button and letting them go. But you need to know the ins and outs of uh, driving it before you need to know about the uh, the dome and the gyroscope and everything else. Does Jimmy Fallon actually get men- get name dropped in the junior novelization or no? Or no? no, we just get the. No, um, I'm wondering that if that it was intended to be Jimmy Fallon or another comedian and Universal just hadn't figured out which comedian they're going to get to uh, do the video yet, so they didn't name drop him in the junior novelization. Mm. Yeah, well, just a funny man dressed in a khaki safari outfit, which are going to be more cringy <laughs> seeing someone <laughs> doing their... Uh, their not so much a Steve Irwin impression, but oh, I'm hunting for predators out in the jungle. Oh, hello. Maybe I can help you drive the drives for you while I'm, here, while I'm at it. Just um... Hello, and welcome to Jumanji. I was, I was about to do that. <laughs> uh, the kids hate when I do that. I do it all the time. <laughs> that, was my, that was my first thought when you said uh, man dressed in safari outfit. Hmm. <laughs> Um, uh, the video showed how the controls worked uh, the gyroscopic technology means you can always stay upright the narrator explained uh, in an animation the gyrosphere got too close to a dinosaur a red circle blinked around the gyrosphere and the dinosaur backed off uh, all good news for bad drivers our invisible barrier system will make sure you don't get into an accident and that's when Zach comments that sucks uh, you can't even hit him <laughs> bumper spears Which, yeah, which we've mentioned before. You have teenage children, teenage boys uh, in these things, and they're going to get up to trouble, <laughs> get up to <Yeah>. mischief. <laughs> kind of curious how that invisible system would work, though. I mean, is it like, is it like magnetized so that they, so that they don't really bump into each other? Kind of like when you do the reverse sides of a magnet. That's that's each gyrosphere. Well, so they don't bump into each other. Oh, could you imagine the inertia? Dodging cars have rubber all the way around them. Can you imagine two gyrospheres hitting each other at five miles an hour? <laughs> or hitting a stationary one at five miles an hour? We, we can see inside they've got the, the seatbelts, like your four-point your four racing seatbelts on, but that would that would really give you some whiplash. Yeah. And as we see next minute, um, I don't know how well the invisible barrier system with the dinosaurs is working because they get pretty close <laughs> to some of the animals without uh, any alarms going off or anything. But yeah, as I said before, I'm pretty sure a lot of what's been described here would have already been shown to the boys before we cut to the Jimmy Fallon uh, video. Because especially like how quickly or how regularly they're leaving the gyrosphere station, um, it's probably a good thing it is built on the side of the hill so they leave the uh, the little bit of trackway and then just roll downhill away <laughs> from where the next one's going to mm-hmm. be coming behind it but you can just imagine it'd be like a pile of marbles at the bottom of the valley where they've all <laughs> been let out of the station <laughs> and they're just all <laughs> which, which might be where the um, the system that prevents bumping into things comes in Yeah, it's kind of like a ski lift you know yeah Except instead of crowding around the bottom of the ski lift, you the the uh, gyrospheres are magnetized in a way so that they kind of line up orderly instead of 
instead of just kind of uh, smashing <laughs> each other at the bottom of the hill. There's a Blues Brothers style pile of jars here at the bottom of the hill where they've all come down on top of each other. <laughs> <laughs> but there might be some sort of uh, sort of like active cruise control sort of thing in them too. Like if someone is coming up behind you really fast, that one would slow down on its own and the other one would speed up a little bit on its own as well just to, again, try and keep that distance be- between each other. Which is a shame because once we get the boys out in the valley here, we don't see a single <laughs> another gyrosphere anywhere, which is something interesting as well. I didn't uh, didn't include in the notes, but yeah, it is kind of interesting that there isn't another that we never see another gyrosphere in this entire valley because we saw a long line of people in the, at that station. Mm. Yeah, and the the monitor in the control room says it's forty eight either gyrospheres or gyrosphere users currently out in the valley you'd think True, but also remember that there was um that that call back for them to return mm. but, but that was kind of automatic because we see we get that we see um zach and gray get the attention the ride is closed alert on the gyrosphere and i would imagine that would be something that's automatic hmm well, we yeah. get we get more into that next minute, but that happens after they go frolicking through the herd as as well. So you'd think exactly, yeah. yeah. Even here, yeah, there's no even a scene there where they get the announcement next minute, and you do see a couple of gyrospheres turn and start heading in the same direction or something, and that's when he goes, "Nut, we're going to go stay out for a little bit longer," and goes the opposite direction. That's um, that's all I've got for minute fifty-three. Before we get out of here today. All right.